Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Erdix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my hopefully awake co-host, because she's given up coffee. <laughs> Terry Morrow, <Sadly> decaffeinated co-host. <laughs> Hi, Terry. Yes, I'm sipping my herbal tea here, and it is doing absolutely nothing. But uh, yes, welcome to all our listeners. Uh, I am Terry Morrow. I am the author of Fifty Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anyone out there listening to us live that we're not taking phone calls, but and neither will the chat room will be open because I just can't quite deal with technology when I have no <laughs> caffeine in me plus which i am now dealing with reader's choice awards madness on my Mm -hmm. website and uh getting that set up every year it surprises me how much work it takes to set that up i should remember from year to year but how completely time sucking it is but it is up the polls are going the voting is lively and i would like to take this opportunity to mention my finalists in each category because some of them are friends of the podcast and many of them are are uh, resources that y'all really need to know about. So, uh, in the category of uh, favorite special needs blog, we have Big Blueberry Eyes, Lessons from Matthew and Isaac, Mealtime Hostage, Not Alone, and Thomas Marshall Does It All. A real variety of different disabilities in that category. Uh, mm-hmm. In the category of uh, favorite special needs online community, we have Down With That, the group, uh, which is a blog winner from last year. It's her Facebook group. Uh, the Global Hydrocephaly Foundation, Military Special Needs Network, Ollie Bean, which is a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. and Special Moms. Uh, in the category of favorite new special needs parenting book, we have uh, Asper Kids, The Insider's Guide, a book called Gardening for Children with Autism Spectrum Disorders and Special Educational Needs, uh, Kids First, Diabetes Second, Speaking of Apraxia, and 10 Things Every Child with Autism Wishes You Knew, which is a classic uh, book that's been updated and expanded. Uh, for favorite spe- new special needs memoir, we have Easy to Love but Hard to Raise, Finding Kansas, My Dreams, Challenges, and Joys, Saving Lee, Finding Grace, and Uncommon Beauty, Crisis Parenting from Day One. Uh, in the category of favorite new special needs children's book, we have A Special Friend, Bryn's Bizarre Behavior, Let's Hear It for Almagal, The Asper Kids' Secret Book of Social Rules, and There's More Than One Way to Eat, which is about tube feeding. It's very interesting mm-hmm. to have a children's book about. Uh, in favorite special needs Twitter feed, we have uh, Disability Resource Diva, Disability Scoop, Mom to Rebels, Sports Disability, and friend of the podcast Think Inclusive, which is uh, Tim Villegas' uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. And uh, for favorite special needs app, we have Autism Mate, My First AAC, Next Dollar Up, Talk Rocket Go, and The Social Express. And finally, in favorite special needs regional resource, we have Florida Center for Inclusive Communities, Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, NJAPE.org, Snappin' Ministries, and The Sparkle Effect. I think we've had people from maybe wow. four out of five of those on the show. Yeah. So uh, if something went by there in my droney reading of all those names, 
that you're interested in voting for, please go to my site at specialchildren.about.com and uh, look up into the upper left corner. There's a link to to the 2013 Reader's Choice Awards, and you can find links there to all the uh, polls and also to uh, information about each of the finalists. And I really encourage you to check it out. It's a particularly diverse group of resources this year. Um, Oftentimes they're mostly autism resources, but this year Mm -hmm. it's it's quite mixed up. So... um, Please do take great. a look at that because I am staying up 24 hours a day getting that stuff together. So somebody should go <laughs> look at it. it. Worth it. <laughs> I'm getting punchy. Um, and uh, so, how are things going with Good you, Nicole? Stuff. I see you have a bee in your bonnet this morning. <laughs> a bee in my bonnet. I do, but <laughs> in the interest of time, I will. Uh, <laughs> Since I've just taken that. 45 minutes to, to pimp my contest, you're going to pre- you're going to postpone your rant. I'll post on my rant because you know what our guest today has some wonderful things to talk about and I know that um, just from the feedback on Facebook that I've been getting and my website and Twitter feed that a lot of people are really interested in hearing what she has to say this morning which is great we are have um, our guest Jennifer Greening with us good morning Jennifer hi good morning thank you for having me you're welcome it's a pleasure to have you especially because we have uh, a lot of, I mean, I know that you are a professional, you're a teacher in the school system, but you are also going to be speaking from the parent side of things this morning. And, you know, I think a lot of our listeners really appreciate hearing uh, practical and sort of, you know, tips and advice and hearing experiences about how parents work towards inclusion for their children. So we're really glad that you're here to share that with us today. And um, let's just get right into it and get started. Jennifer, can you tell the audience a bit about yourself and the work that you do? Of course. Um, um, I am a parent of a child with disabilities. I am also a public school teacher. I've taught for 23 years. I have three degrees in the field of education, um, but I wasn't prepared um, what was coming my way when I was um, getting ready to educate our daughter um, for school. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will ask me what's wrong with her, <laughs> and I'll say nothing's wrong with her. I think she's perfect. Um, mm-hmm. but she does have disabilities. Um, she has um, low muscle tone. Um, she cannot talk yet. Um, she needs a wheelchair for long distances. Uh, you know, I guess to look at her, I guess people think that she has a lot of disabilities, um, but we kind of see her limitless potential, and that kind of um, has been our view of her. Uh, we're not sure who she's going to be or what she'll become, and so um, we needed a an education that would open all the doors for her. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I've taught in grades uh, kindergarten through fifth, and I'm currently in a uh, literacy intervention teacher, with, which is like a reading teacher that creates interventions for children that are struggling in school. So I work every day to support kids in a public school system. I feel like our public school teachers are really well trained. And um, I love what I do, and I keep doing that. And then uh, with that, I'm raising our daughter um, that has special needs, and I didn't know it was going to be such a job. Right. Yeah, I was surprised. When she was young, um, we were told that uh, if we were good parents, we'd send her to a separate school for kids just with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people in our community, 
I didn't even know that there were separate schools. I had been teaching seven years. I had a master's degree in education. I had taught um, fourth and fifth grades at that time. And I thought I was a great teacher. I mean, parents requested to have them in my class. I was working on curriculum. And I, mm-hmm. I thought I was awesome. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't have any idea that there were separate schools for autism, for cognitive impairments, for you know, all these disabilities that kids were being um, bussed away from our county into um, magnet schools just for kids with disabilities. And mm-hmm. I don't think I was, a, I'm alone in that, that no one really wonders, you know, where are these kids? You know, where are right. the kids with the greatest needs? It wasn't until I had my own daughter that, um, you know, and even at that point she was um, five years old um, and she had been receiving assistance, a lot of parents, um, you know, and they need to know you can get help for kids right from when they're babies. And mm-hmm. she has low muscle tone, and, you know, we were getting help from the school system when she was really young. And um, when it came time for school, there was a series of evaluations done, and um, they recommended um, a separate school altogether, not even a separate program within the school. They said if we were good parents, we'd send her to the school in the next county. And... Um, you know, my husband and I went and visited the school ahead of time, and, you know, as a teacher, I was shocked, you know, right. what we were being asked to do. Um, we were asked to put her on the school bus every day, and she would take a 40-minute bus ride to a school for kids only with disabilities. They were from um, 14 different schools, uh, school districts in the area, and um, this is where they said she'd get the best education. So, you know they said my general education uh, wasn't enough, that I needed to listen. And um, <laughs> if I was a good parent, I'd send her there, and that's what we did. And mm. um, it was, it, you know, it wasn't, it's not about, you know, some parents are sending their kids to schools with with that, in that situation. And, you know what, they're great parents, and we're trying yeah. to all do what's best for our kids. And it's not that someone's doing the wrong thing and I, we don't want the same things. You know, we all want what's best for our kids. Mm-hmm. We're all good parents. Mm-hmm. We're all working really hard. Um, you know, the difference is I have um, a degree, multiple degrees in in education, general education, and I know that there are multiple levels of abilities in every class. Mm-hmm. I know I've been I'm expected in my evaluations to meet the needs of each individual learner and to bring them along. Um, you know, I'm expected not to allow bullying. I'm expected to be a good teacher. And that's just, that's not unique to me. That's the expectations of, of all of our teachers. And so I was just shocked that they said they didn't feel like they knew enough to educate my daughter. They said, right. well, she's nonverbal. We don't know what to do. Right. And, you know, that that's the, the key, though, is see. I don't want to let the special education go to the wayside, but I don't want to let the general education go to the side either. You know, um, mm-hmm. I can't prove that she can talk or that she can. I don't. I can't prove what she knows because she's she's nonverbal and she doesn't have the coordination with her hands to be able to use her communication devices effectively. But I'm. I know she can hear. <laughs> Yeah. And I know yeah. if she's in those classes, that's her best chance of learning and her mm-hmm. best chance of other kids asking questions she might have. 
um, that we can show her regular curriculum and get the support of all the teachers. So my my journey has been putting my my knowledge together. I have a gift. I'm a teacher of general ed students. I have a daughter with special education needs, and we need to work together. And that's the message that comes through um, in good teaching. You know, we use all our resources. We use all our support teachers. And, um, you know, everyone gets help, and it helps mm-hmm. all kids. So um, right. that's – so. Long story short, I was on the board of directors for the ARC of Northwest Wayne County. The ARC is a national advocacy group for persons with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And what I was learning is that my story wasn't unique. Our family, you know, as I was meeting <laughs> teachers that were less than excited to see us, you know, uh, wanting our daughter in a regular education setting mm-hmm. in the separate school she was at, you know, they believed that she should be there. But I didn't, it wasn't my hopes and dreams for for our daughter. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. our hopes and dreams that she would be in a classroom where no one talked. They were all ability groups. There were, you know, six kids and six adults. But she didn't get any extra attention because all the kids had such significant right. needs. Uh, there wasn't the laughter. There wasn't the side conversations because the kids were all nonverbal that she was placed with. There weren't models of running and jumping because the kids also had, like my daughter, multiple disabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, kids were throwing up a lot because they had stomach issues. Um, EMS was was a completely different environment, right? Like the way you're describing it. It was her whole life was different, yes. A completely different view of what we thought her childhood would be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you Jennifer, I'm just going to quickly ask you here because I, I want to make sure that we get to this. You took your experiences with all of this and you put it into a book um, called Opening Doors and Opening Lives, and then there's a subtitle, Creating Awareness of Advocacy, Inclusion, and Education for Our Children with Special Needs. Is this what prompted you to write the book then, these yes. experiences that you're talking about? Yes. So Opening Doors, Opening Lives is a story, is our story, mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do is it, when I was on the board for the ARC is I was meeting families and our story was their story. And it was exhausting trying to explain to teachers. I didn't know anyone with special needs before I had our daughter. Like I didn't, yeah. wasn't a part of my knowledge. And so I was learning all of this and I we wanted to transition her back to school. So, you know, we transitioned her back to kindergarten and right. took her out of that school and Anyone can do that. There's no rules on really um, who goes where. I thought there was a set of you would take this test and you were allowed and you would take this Mm -hmm. test and you weren't Mm -hmm. allowed. Mm -hmm. And it was shocking to me that, you know, with a good advocate from our local ARC and, um, and our, you know, you can hire a special education attorney to get advice from. I don't recommend bringing them in with meetings to meetings with you because, as a teacher, they scare me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but they're very knowledgeable, so you can get help from a special education attorney. And so we were learning a lot, and I was really lucky to be with really great. I had a nice teaching foundation. I have um, really nice connections to advocacy groups because yeah. they were educating me. 
And what I did is I I wrote it all down. Um, so opening doors, opening lives. I left. I'm a teacher. I felt like I was giving everyone the answers. You know, like yeah. here's what inclusion looks like. Here's how to do it. Because <laughs> yeah. every parent I met, we were all researching. We were all yeah. frantic. Yeah. And I thought this is enough. Like I am writing this down. I have the language. I explain. I could explain what I needed for my daughter. Now, when I met uh, the the uh, publisher. I said I want. I just want it to be a how-to book, and I had like 100 pages of notes because I had gone back to school and public ed- education law and all of these ideas. I just wanted to tell parents how to do it. And she said mm-hmm. to me, you know, I'd really like to publish this, but I really want your story through the book. I'm mm-hmm. like, you want our whole story? Like, you want our experiences? And so what we did is we took the how-to and made it gentle. And it's a two-day read on purpose. So yeah. that I, when I speak, I can speak to families of Head Start. I can speak to families in any area of the country and say, and not feel bad. Say, read this. So it's, a, it's it's for a variety of people that the you know the different audiences, which is you know who our audience makes up as well. Which you know, very interesting story that you have, and and I I, I, to, I recommend them to pick up the book. It's uh, there's a link to it on my website. And they can also go to your website as well, too, which um, you can give to the audience at the end of the show. Or yes, of um, course. Yeah. And now, why don't you um, have her give it to the audience right now in case okay, they ask her at the okay. end of the show? Yeah. What, can uh, you tell us, Jennifer? It's, sure. It's jenniferGreeningBooks.com. So it's perfect. J e n n i f e r g r e e n i n g books b o o k s dot com. Excellent. So, and the nice thing, too, is that university professors use the book as well. And so anyone that's ordering through my website, they wanted um, a study guide to go with the book. And I'm sure it'll be helpful for, like, book clubs and, you know, there's, um, you know, parent organizations that I speak to. Right. And, and But the university professors were funny. I hadn't thought of the idea that they're signing the book and they like it because it's the personal side that's missing of mm-hmm. what they lecture about. And really, there's a lot of professors that haven't thought about the inclusive side of education. Um, so anyway, they needed something to um, have accountability for students that read the book. <laughs> so I thought that was funny because I think the book's really important. I can't imagine them not reading it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So there's a nice yeah. study packet that will go with it. But, um, yeah, so. Lots of options then for people that are interested in looking at it. And uh, Terry, you've got a question here for Jennifer as well in terms of, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm really interested uh, listening to you speak because so, so many of your experiences are similar to what I had with my uh, daughter when she was young. And it's it's sort of refreshing to know that a teacher going into those meetings gets the same, what's a kind word for it, the same runaround of professionals. <laughs> you that, know, I uh, was shocked. I uninformed thought parents say- do. Yeah, no, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that I was a teacher. I, I still didn't get the truth. I didn't, you know, it was hard. I don't, I don't, people just didn't really welcome um, this notion of my daughter with significant disabilities being included in her regular life. But Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it was like once you, once you, uh, it's, you know, you, we talk about kids being labeled and the scores labeling the kids and all that, but it labels the parents also. It's like, okay, you sit there, we'll tell you what's good for you, you'll sign this piece of paper and you'll go. You know, it's kind of like, nobody mm-hmm. would ever speak to a regular education parent that way. <laughs> but once no. your kid is, is in that, once you're funneled off into that area, it's like, we know what's good for you. 
Don't think. Well, yes. And, you know, that was the whole, when she was at the school for kids with special needs, imagine she had braces on her legs, she couldn't walk yet, and they're telling me at five years old, she will ride the bus 40 minutes. And, you know, we're in a meeting with, like, eight people, and my Uh husband and I, and I'm looking at them thinking about the kids on our street. Like, you wouldn't ask any of those kindergartners (laughs) to take a bus. Especially some that braces on her legs and, yes. you know, all these, she can't talk. And so I said, I found my voice and I said, I'll drive her. Uh-huh. And they said, they said, I wrote about it in the book. And they they said, oh, the mother wants to drive her. I'm like, <laughs> the mother? Like, I've never been so hurt in my life. I didn't even know what my name was. You know, I, this is my daughter. My name is Jennifer. You know, like, yes. so, um. Yeah, the mother's going to drive her. So I had to make a deal with them that I would I would drive her to school and I we would compromise she and they would she would ride the bus home. And I wasn't prepared for that. And that's still my daughter is now in high school. She uh-huh. is 15 years old in the ninth grade. And that is the piece with these these IEP meetings, the individual educational plans that we have uh-huh. for our children. I am I am really not good on relying on other people. And yeah. I have to be in a team. Like, we have to, I have to compromise all the time. I have to be polite. I have to be nice. And <laughs> it you know, takes, doesn't it? <laughs> it's really hard. Like, it's, you know, the, the, what helps me is this is not about me. This is not about, it, it doesn't really, if pe- persons, you know, people don't understand having a child with disabilities. I can't, I used to want to educate everyone. Like, here's the research. Here's what you need to do. The most important thing I think I learned was in about the third grade, um, when she was little, I said she has disabilities. She has she got the label of autism mm-hmm. in about the third grade. Uh, we thought she had autism all along, but, you know, the issue of labeling, to get the appropriate services, at that point when she was little, it didn't really matter. In yeah. about the third grade, we had an outside evaluation done, and that label really was going to change her services. And luckily, she was in a regular education school, so it didn't change her placement because mm-hmm. that's the thing. When your label changes and, you know, you're not in a yeah. regular place, you could actually be moved to a different program or different right. school, which happens a lot for these yes. children that have the greatest needs. Um, so, um, yeah, it it was it, – it's, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I lost my, yeah that's <laughs> – well, yeah, it's, it's like so there, was a, there, was a, there was a period oh. of time I just wouldn't allow my son to be evaluated because I liked where he was. And it's like there's nothing good that can come of this evaluation. All that can come of it is, oh, wait, he needs something different. We're moving him. Like, well, and that's, yes, and that's it. And that's with um, in about the third grade, sorry, I came back, but uh, in about the third grade she um, – we, that, she wasn't leaving her shoes on. It, it's a big issue, for seems to be nationwide, of children not leaving shoes on. And it was, she was going to be moved. Yes, I, I heard you last week. I thought, I can't believe it. This is, but that's why I wrote the book. It's not, it's not unusual, but it, was, it will really make teachers come unglued if you're not wearing your shoes in class. It does. Why is that the thing? Well, I did have, we had a behaviorist help us, and, you know, the outside help always helps. Uh-huh. kind of sheds light on things. And she did say, see, we're from Michigan. She said, you know, you do live in Michigan. You might want a teacher to wear her shoes. <laughs> so, you know, we worked on that. That's, it's in yeah. the book. We fixed it, you know. But the notion <laughs> that I don't have to fix things, that I can yeah. be completely upfront, that 
in the third grade, I quit with she has autism, she has special needs, she has this, you know, SXI label. She has all of these things. But you know what she has? She has disabilities. Yeah. And that's what you need to label it because mm-hmm. you you can label it all these other things. But I think the special education law, and I think um, it's clearer to the general population if you describe it as she has disabilities, please yeah. don't discriminate against her. She right. has disabilities, please include her in cross-country. Mm-hmm. Please include her in track. Yeah. Please give her all the opportunities as a person with disabilities. And then I felt like we were being heard. And mm-hmm. and it was hard for me as a mom. I, I really don't think of her as a person with disabilities. I think <laughs> of her as, like, my little girl. Like, I love her, and I and I think we need to be that unwavering voice of, right. of you know, she has unlimited potential. I am never – I don't know who she's going to be. I'm not going to send her away in the first grade or the second grade. Yeah. Because she might not be the person I thought she was going to be by the time she got to college. Like, I'm not going to decide that. I am going to, and that's why the book is Opening Doors, Opening Lives. My job as her mother is to open every door for her so she can develop into the person she needs to be. And that's the special education. She doesn't just need a regular education. She needs a very special education, and Mm -hmm. that means bringing in all her supports. I met a mother once at a conference, and when I speak, like, I have my books with me, and Mm. the mother came up, you know, I'm calling her the mother now, this mother, (laughs) I shouldn't say this mother. I'm very sensitive to that. But this mother came up to me, and she was asking about my book, and she stopped me, and she said, oh, you're one of those mothers. (laughs) And I'm like, what is it with people? She said, you just want your child included with no expectations. I need expectations for my child. That's why my child goes to a special school. Yeah. And I thought, whoa, that that's not it at all. I want yeah. all of the special education support in mm-hmm. a general ed setting. Yeah. My daughter learned to stand up amongst kindergartners because they mm-hmm. all stood up. She learned right. to walk amongst kids that were walking. We did years of therapy, and I... She learned to walk when the little daisies in her mm-hmm. um, kindergarten class after school, they all walked to a sand table, and you know, she walked after them, wow. you know. And That's I think story. she's not going to learn to talk for a 40-year-old woman doing speech therapy. Yeah. I think she's going to learn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's going to learn to talk amongst those cross-country girls that are singing their yes. lungs out on the bus, or she's yes. going to learn to talk amongst the good gossip, you know, yeah. um, that she hears in the hallways. Um, she, you know, and that's just it, that the um, evaluations, people will mm-hmm. say, oh, let me do the evaluations. And we do the same thing. We we hold off evaluations as much as possible because it's just an opportunity for them to move her. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, good advice. But here's the thing, though, is you can interpret those evaluations in two ways. Like we had an evaluation done, like I said, in the third grade, and um, they said she's nonverbal. And so we say, well, does that prove that she needs to go to a a separate classroom, a separate classroom for kids with autism or kids with cognitive impairments? Mm -hmm. You know, like do we send her there? Or will she develop language amongst Mm -hmm. just common sense, amongst kids that talk? Yes. And so, you know, you and kid, we can agree that she's nonverbal, but we need people, and that's on your IEP teams, on the special mm-hmm. education teams. I've learned to identify people that don't share our message 
and love of Courtney. <laughs> like, if you don't love her, <laughs> please yeah. don't be on this team. If you can't yes. help us move forward, you can yeah. ask that, you know, request that maybe a service be changed to consultative right. or um, really ask maybe um, a director or someone to please give you really great people that will help you <laughs> along yeah. the way because you get a naysayer and life gets really hard. Yeah. And, um, and that's why it's it's really good to get to know your team uh, find the people who are your allies on the team and let them tell you who is not your ally on the team mm-hmm. so that you know what to do. If you're just seeing these people once a year around a table, it's really hard to do that. But if you if you get some friends, you know, if you if you get friendly with a teacher, you get friendly with a therapist, the therapists are yeah. often really good sources of information. Um, at least where I am, they don't work for the school, so they don't care about the politics. <laughs> ah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I put it in my I put it in my book um, about the different, you know, like um, I, I don't. We have a small team that will meet once a month just to keep up on our goals, just to make sure that you know um, things aren't being missed. That's great to do it monthly. Um, and yeah, okay. just I, I asked for just a thirty minute meeting. Can we just have? And it's just the teacher, the principal, and. Um, let's see, a resource room teacher and the principal. Now that she's in high school, it's different. Um, yeah. and then the I, I hate to break this oh, off, but we really have to wrap up. Um, but yeah. that's that's excellent advice. I'm glad we got that in. Having a monthly meeting is a great idea. Uh, thank oh, you so I, much for being our guest today. Do you have? I just had a and um, with the behaviors, you know. Just mm-hmm. re- lastly, um, you know, can I just hold hold on a second? Let me get yeah. the outro. We can still have a tape. It won't go oh, live. Go but we'll still have a tape. Hold on a second. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being our guest today. I would thank like to thank our listeners me. for tuning to our program this morning. Please join us ne- for next week's show when we have Paula Lee, president of the New Jersey Association for Inclusive Education. Paula is going to talk about finding the right supports for students in the classroom. You can follow the Inclusive Class podcast on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss out on the show. You can also follow us on Twitter where Nicole tweets under the name Inclusive underscore class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. And stay on the line, uh, and we will finish our discussion. Uh, Thank you. Okay, what were you, you going to say? <laughs> I'm this sorry. will go out to people who download the podcast, but not to the live listeners. Sorry. Well, you know, it was. I had another note, just my last thing, the, the uh, behaviors. Some people will say that their children cannot be included because they don't behave or they're disruptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I finally had a revelation about that, that if she's going to have the issue of shoes was distressful to our daughter. <laughs> and they yeah. wanted to move her to a classroom where she would be somewhere else, not taking her shoes off, not having this disruption. Yeah. And she was, you know, like you described last week, that she was just so unhappy because people kept trying to put them back on. And mm-hmm. at that time, it was, she was it was noisy. It was hard. Yeah. Um, and um, then, so the notion that she was going to be moved to this classroom was for students with autism. Mm-hmm. It finally occurred to me. I thought, you have a classroom with like six or eight kids that all have autism that have very delicate learning issues, and you want to move my daughter in there because she's <laughs> disruptive? I said, you know, that's not good for anybody. You know, that's and, a bad match. 
Well, and it's just not fair, you know, that their yeah. learning would be disruptive. And why would you take someone out of a general ed room where maybe the kids could maybe she'd get someone that a friend or maybe she would calm down about that mm-hmm. or learn to keep them on amongst kids that were wearing them. I don't know. But yeah. But then to move her just simply because she's she's disruptive. And right. that's what happens I think a lot. Yeah. Um and I I just don't like to see that happening because what does that say about our most delicate learners? Yes. That yeah. they have to be around disruptions and they yes, they already absolutely. have trouble learning. Yeah. So when, yeah. So I just didn't want to miss that. When my daughter was in my daughter was in middle school, she was in a resource room for I think it was her English resource room class, and she would have benefited from intensive instruction there, and she liked the class. However, because the resource room teacher was a man, they would put every behavior problem in the middle school in that classroom mm, just so that yeah. he would because they were mostly women teachers, so yeah. she never got her intensive education, because the teacher was always having to deal with the violent and aggressive and, you know, uh, difficult kids who got put in there who didn't need the resource room, but they needed to be, it was it became a holding cell for the labor problems instead mm-hmm. of, so this is exactly what you're saying, you know, we we say, okay, you people, your education doesn't count as much, so we're going to put the, we're going to put the problems there. Well, uh, and that's the, that's the issue of trying to separate kids by disability. It's not yeah. what you think. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it's, it's the nature of separating people by disabilities or, right. you know, by color or by – it's the whole nature mm-hmm. of of trying to separate human beings. It doesn't work out like you think, no. and it's no, not yeah. going to create the end results. And you can be really creative in a general ed school, like how many kids are in a class and, mm-hmm. um, you know, do, does the child need to come in and out of the class? Does the child need breaks? Do you need to put a sensory room in the school? You can make that school whatever you need. But the notion that um, the schools aren't ready for our kids with significant disabilities, you know, the IEP will make it ready because mm-hmm. you'll have those those needs in the IEP, a speech teacher, occupational therapist, physical therapist, sensory room, whatever mm-hmm. you need, and then that school will be ready. Just like right. uh, my daughter's school didn't even have an adaptive swing, the general ed school, and we wrote a grant, and we got wonderful things. And she's in high school. When we drive by the elementary school, I, I tell the boys, my other kids, you know, look at that's because of your sister. Like, look mm-hmm, at all those kids mm-hmm. loving that swing. Yeah. And, you know, it's a it's a visual reminder of, you know, we made a little bit of a difference. And, um, you know, the compassion and caring and love that she brings um, is wonderful. So, yeah, I, you know. It's a lot. It's a lot in thirty minutes. I'm sorry. I have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's wonderful I, I, information. Thank you. Yes. yes, it's nice to have a fellow parent on to talk about this stuff. Oftentimes we have, uh, you know, educators and authorities, but uh, the people who are dealing with it on the ground in the mm-hmm. in you know dealing with it with our kids, it's uh, you get a different understanding of things. <laughs> Well, I know. I actually I should have an hour because I'm 30 minutes parent, 30 minutes educator. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I should one talk for each one side and the other side, like it's all mixed up, you know. Um, yeah. But I'm so glad to help. I'm just yeah. I just really want to help. I just really these children and these families they suffer and they're they're worried and they love their children and everyone wants what's best for their child and you know if I yeah. can help and you know. Get, oh, I didn't even tell, you know, to have people read the book and give it to principals and give it to teachers and, you know, give it to the people that are working with their kids and they'll mm-hmm. understand too yeah. without having to share their, try to retell their story again and Definitely. again. 
Well, that's a great note for us to end on. Thank you yeah. so much for being with us, and maybe Thank we'll you. have a chance to talk again sometime. Thank, Thank you. you. Goodbye to everybody. Um, okay. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank All you. Right. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.